Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. I love Christmas. I love the food, the presents. I love playing board games with the family. I love being huddled up in front of the fire watching a movie together. And I love the lights. Now, in these dark, cold winter evenings, it's brilliant seeing Christmas lights all over the place, in the city centre, in gardens, and of course, uh, on Christmas trees. Christmas lights, I love them. At least, I love them once they're up and working. What is it about Christmas tree lights? Every year, when I get them out of the loft, they're always in a mess. I carefully put them away each year. I spend time ensuring that I lay them carefully in the box so they won't be tangled. But every year, without fail, I unpack the Christmas lights and they're in a mess. What is that about? All they've been doing is sitting up in the loft all year since January. How do they get tangled? I don't understand it. And then having carefully laid them out on the living room floor, I plug them in only to discover they don't work. What is that about? Last year when I put them in the box and put them up in the loft, they worked. Why do they not work now? How can that be? Now, the point of this little rant, and I must say I do feel a lot better for it. Thank you for listening. The point is, I love Christmas lights once they're untangled, working and on the Christmas tree. And I love them not just because they look so pretty, but because of what they represent. Our first reading tonight described Jesus as the light. We heard these words, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is a light that cannot be snuffed out. And that is brilliant news Because being in the dark is such a horrible experience. Twice in my life, I've been in complete and utter darkness. Once on a guided tour of the Blue John Cavern, uh, deep down in the cave, the guide switched the lights off, and it was so dark I could not see my hand in front of my my face. It was a, a very unnerving experience. The other time I was completely in the dark was when I was working for the Midland Bank. That's not the dark thing, you understand, although it was quite a dark experience. It was the week before Christmas, and I had to go with a colleague to a huge underground warehouse where millions of documents were catalogued and stored. And our task was simple. We had to locate a few dockets. I doubt I'd have ever remembered going to that underground warehouse all those years ago, except while we were there, the lights went out. So there we were, this colleague and I, in this warehouse, and there was not a shaft of light from anywhere. And this was long before the days of mobile phones, so we didn't have any source of light to hand and we couldn't make a phone call to tell anybody what had happened. As I stood there, I could see nothing, absolutely nothing. And even though I didn't move, I soon found myself disorientated. It was a horrible experience. By the way, last time I told that story, someone said to me, and so, did you ever get out? And now, whether you've been in that kind of utter darkness or not, I imagine most of us know what it is to be in the dark during a power cut or or when the main fuse blows at nights or or walking down a road without the streetlights. Darkness and even the thought of being in the dark evokes all sorts of negative emotions, uncertainty, confusion, a sense of being lost and, of course, fear. Light, on the other hand, brings confidence and, and reassurance. It makes us feel safe. As soon as the lights come on, we can see where we're going, which is exactly why Jesus described himself as the light. He called himself the light of the world. He is the light that shines in the darkness. And knowing him gives us safety and security and shows us where we're going in life. And knowing what life is all about is a brilliant thing. A few years ago here at church, we asked all our friends and neighbours and family and colleagues one big question. 
We asked them, if you could ask God one question and you knew it would be answered, what would it be? I once asked that question to a bloke called Martin and he said, oh yeah, I know what I'd ask God if I could ask him one question. I'd say, is Elvis dead? I replied, that would be your one question for God? Yes, said Martin. So I said, that's hardly a matter of life and death, to which Martin replied, it is if you're Elvis. Fair point. Anyway, the church family asked the question to hundreds of friends and neighbours. If you could ask God one question and you knew it would be answered, what would it be? And one of the top questions was, what's the meaning of life? Now that says something. Here we are on this little blue-green planet, hurtling through space, circling the sun at around 67,000 miles an hour, and we're doing our best to make the most of it. But many of us, and if the survey is anything to go by, most of us don't know why we're here or what on earth it's all about. We're wandering through life in the dark. And being in the dark makes living life and raising a family and making decisions very difficult. So the message of Christmas is brilliant. Jesus, the light of the world, has come into the world to make sense of the world. Every year at this time of the year, I have an overwhelming feeling of not knowing where I'm going or or what I'm aiming for. It happens when I go Christmas shopping to Meadowhall. All year round, I avoid Meadowhall like the plague, so when I do go there, I don't have a clue where I'm going. Uh, So I wander around aimlessly, not knowing where I'm going or what to buy. This year, I don't have a clue what to buy my wife. Uh, What do you buy the person who has everything? My dad, of course, would say, a box to put it in. But I bought Caroline a box last year, so I don't have a clue what to buy her this year. If you have any ideas, time is running out. So as uh, you go out of the church this evening, please do uh, tell me what you think. In fact, I said that this time last week when we started these carol services and the best somebody could come up with was a bigger box. That wasn't very helpful. So on Friday, I tried it again and somebody said to me, get her some gold jewellery from Gucci. I thought, great idea. Saturday morning, I had a look on the internet. Not a great idea at all. (laughs) Very expensive. I am a vicar. Do you know how much vicars earn? Anyway, it wasn't going to happen. So I tried it again last night. And last night, a little lad, couldn't have been more than seven, looked up at me as he left the church and he said, I've been thinking about that question you asked us about what to buy your wife. I said, oh, that's great. What do you think? He said, you could buy us some flowers. Isn't that sweet? What a lovely idea, I said. So I said to him, what particular flowers do you think I should buy her? He said, oh, I don't know. Just any old random flowers will do. (laughs) Anyway, the point of all this is that Christmas shopping at Meadowhall illustrates how life is for many people. Wandering around, not really sure if we're going in the right direction or what we're looking for anyway. Now, that is frustrating when it's Christmas shopping. But it is terrible when that's life. Because let's face it, we only get one shot at it. So not knowing what it's about really matters. Christmas says we can know what it's about because Jesus, the light of the world, has come into the world. Isn't that fantastic? Second, Jesus is the light of the world because he deals with all the darkness in the world. We live in a very dark world. We're confused politically. We're all at sea economically. The human race can't seem to reach any lasting agreement environmentally and we can't live peacefully. In these last weeks, more and more horrific stories are emerging of the scandal at the grassroots of football. What we call the beautiful game is looking very ugly right now. Earlier this year, there was the the senseless murder of of the MP for Batley and Spen, Joe Cox. 
That was a very dark moment for our nation. And then internationally, the civil war in Syria continues. Nearly half a million people have been killed. Innocent people are being used as a human shield. And then, of course, there's a constant threat of terrorism all over the world. Again this weekend and last weekend, more bombs have gone off in Turkey. We live in a world, a dark world, and we don't have any way of getting rid of the darkness. I think it's fair to say we long for a better world. On January the 1st, at the beginning of the new year, many of us will have new hopes and dreams for a better year. We might set new targets to to get fit or to lose weight or to spend less money or spend more time with friends and family. Now, whether you're someone who makes New Year's resolutions or not, my guess is that as Big Ben strikes 12 on New Year's Eve and you turn to your loved one to wish them a happy new year, many of us will be hoping 2017 will be a better year. And I do hope 2017 will be a better year for you. But we're kidding ourselves if we think it's going to get better nationally and internationally. Last year, I bought my wife this DVD as a present, Andrew Marr's The History of the World. It makes for fascinating watching. And those of you who have watched it will know that the history of the world is littered with the darkness of war and conflict. Every year, we hope it's going to get better, but it never does. And the history of the world tells us it never will. How we need a powerful light from outside of this world to come into this world and chase away the darkness. And Jesus is that light. See, the promise of the Christian gospel is that Jesus Christ will return one day, not as a baby this time, but in great power and might to wrap up the world as we know it. He will bring about justice. He'll put all wrongs right on that day. Jesus the light will chase away all the evil in this dark world and usher in a new world, a world of light and life. Isn't that brilliant? Jesus is the powerful light who one day will overcome darkness once and for all. That is very good news. But it is also very worrying if we're honest with ourselves. You see, yes, I want all the darkness out of this world, but if I'm honest, there is plenty of darkness in me. Every week when we lead Sunday services here, we wear microphones. I've got one on at the moment. You might be able to see it. And uh, there are guys up there who twiddle the knobs to make sure that everybody can hear. I have great confidence in our techies here, so I, I leave the mic switched on. I know they'll turn it up when I'm speaking and turn it down when I'm singing. Uh, one, yeah, really, they need to do that. One of the technicians, Rob, sits up there with his eight-year-old son from time to time. And last month, at the end of the service, Rob said to me, Freddie enjoyed listening to you sing during the service. Rob had given his son the headphones, and while I was singing my heart out, little Freddie was listening in. He loved it, not because it was good, but because it was hilarious. There is a reason why I'm up here and there, down there. I had no idea this was happening. Well, look... Listening to me sing my heart out may not be particularly pleasant, but it doesn't do anybody any harm. And for an eight-year-old, it's highly amusing. But just imagine, just imagine if you were mic'd up all the time, all day, throughout the whole of life. And imagine there was somebody listening, listening in to everything you said and even everything you thought. Well, of course, if God is God, then he does hear everything we say and think. So, yes, he hears the kind comments and knows our thoughtful gestures, but he also hears the cutting remarks, the hurtful things we say to those we love the most, the things we think about those we hate the most, 
the things we do behind closed doors, the, the thoughts we wouldn't want anyone to know about, not even our nearest and dearest. That's the problem with the light. It exposes our darkness and perhaps that's why people don't like to get too close to Jesus. But look, Jesus, the light of the world, has come not just to chase away the darkness, but he's come to make a way for us to come into the light. I was uh, listening to the radio a couple of weeks ago about a man uh, talking about his gambling addiction. He'd got himself into huge debt and taken out more and more loans to pay off the debt. He borrowed money from unscrupulous loan sharks at, at ridiculous interest rates. And they threatened that if he didn't pay up, he'd be beaten up. The radio interviewer asked him what he did. He said, thankfully, my family stepped in. It seems his dad went to see the guys who'd threatened him and his dad took a beating for it. And then so fearful of, his, of these men, his dad remortgaged the house to pay off the loan. Now, it is far from a perfect picture, but it gives a little illustration of something of what Jesus did as he died on a cross. He stood in our place. He, he took the beating, dying in our place. And he paid the price, paid the debt for our failures. For all the things we've said and thought and done that hurt others, we should be rejected by God and sent to utter darkness. But Jesus the light said, I'll take the darkness so that you can enjoy the light of life. That's how much Jesus loves you. It's brilliant news. Jesus, the light of the world, comes to show us what life is all about. Jesus, the light of the world, has come to deal with darkness, the darkness in our lives and the darkness that so blights our world. And finally and briefly, Jesus, the light of the world, has come to deal with the dark shadow that hangs over us. And my children are teenagers now, but when they were younger, I'd tuck them up in bed at night and sometimes they'd tell me of something they were frightened of in the room. And when I looked to where they were pointing, there was nothing there. It was just a shadow. And the moment I turned the light on, the shadow disappeared. As we grow older, we learn that shadows in bedrooms at night are nothing to fear. But there is a shadow in life that is completely terrifying. It is the shadow of death which hangs over us all our lives. I found myself deeply saddened by two news stories in the last weeks. The fatal plane crash which killed so many of the Brazilian football team, Chapo Canese. Young men taken in the prime of life, at the pinnacle of their career. And then last month, the train crash in Croydon. Seven people who set out for work, just as they did every day, dead before the day began. One of them was just 19, another 52, about the same age as me. And now they're gone. The shadow of death has descended on their families. And some here this evening know the pain and agony of the shadow of death. As you sit down for Christmas lunch, someone will be missing from the table. Death robs us of precious, loving relationships. So what a marvellous thing it is to hear of a light that chases that darkness away. You see, Jesus died on a cross, yes. And he was buried, yes. And when it seemed that darkness had of the death had overcome him it hadn't because three days later he gloriously burst out of the grave he is alive he was seen by Peter and John and Mary and the rest of his disciples and then more than 500 people Jesus the light of the world has beaten and then chased away the darkness of death and so the Christian gospel says that if we connect ourselves to Jesus 
He will give us life beyond the grave for eternity in a new world where all the darkness of this world has been banished and Christmas lights remind us of that great truth that Jesus is the light of the world. Well, my time has gone. Thanks again for joining us here this evening. As we move towards the end of our service, I wouldn't be at all surprised if there aren't a number of us here who, as I've been speaking, have experienced the light going on. This is really connected with you and you want to know more. Well, in the new year, we have a number of things laid on so that you can hear more if you want to. They're listed on the back of the programme that you were given on the way in. Uh, Particularly, let me commend to you the Christianity Explored Taster Sessions, which are on the inside back cover. Um, These are opportunities to think about who Jesus is, uh, what he came to do and what it means to follow him. Would you please take this as my personal invitation to you to join us at one of our Christianity Explored Taster sessions that are on Tuesday, January the 24th. It's absolutely free. And I feel confident that if you come along, you'll find it interesting and stimulating. And you know, it could just be the best thing you ever do. Well, enough from me. Now, as we continue to think about Jesus, the light of the world, and as we begin to draw our time together to a close, please sit back and listen to the choir sing... Oh, holy night.